Hey everybody, and welcome back to the Throwing Up Bricks podcast. Um, as always, I'm Jared, and that's Jake. Hey. Um, so uh, we're gonna do this a little more subdued this podcast in light of uh, what's been going on lately. We we know there's no actual basketball to talk about, um, but we thought it was important to come on here and and give our thoughts and address what's happening. Um, uh, weirdly enough, at the end of last pod, we did talk about this a little bit, uh, talk about what's happening in the world at large um, before signing off, not knowing that uh, this would be upcoming, you know, that the NBA players, the Bucks in particular, would would choose this moment to, to basically go on strike, um, you know, to boycott the game, um, to show that they're serious about this and serious about making change. Um, what, what do you have to say about this, Jake? What, what was going through your mind when the Bucks walked out of their game and, and then everything that happened after? Um, well, for me, it was getting to the point where, I mean, I always feel horrible saying this, but I was almost desensitized to what happened yeah. in the form of, I mean, I was horrified by it. It, it. it made me extremely upset and I was angry, but it, it, what I was thinking is, is it just keeps happening and I wasn't sure you know, after everything began in late May, if there's anywhere to go from here, if this is just going to be the fate, it's just going to keep happening. And I was pleasantly surprised that the Bucks decided to do what they did. Um, I think it was critical to their promise to continue pushing for, for this movement, even though they were turning to playing basketball. Um, and I think that it was fitting that, you know, the city is only 20 miles away from um, Milwaukee. Um, and I thought that it was the correct thing to do. I think they should have, I think a lot of people agree they should have informed the Orlando Magic and maybe everybody else. Um, but besides that, I think it needed to be done. Yeah, it did need to be done. Um, absolutely. And I, we, we stand with, everybody in the NBA that wants to use their platform like this, you know, to, to send a message um, because basketball players of all people throughout history, really, you know, if you look back, there are famous sports leaders from basketball in particular that, that have done a lot um, to push forward uh, to, to try and strive towards racial equality uh, in this country. Um, everyone from Kareem to Bill Russell, you know, to the big O, to a multitude of stars from from across all eras that have spoken out and spoken despite maybe other people not liking what they're saying. Mm. Um, because they knew that they had they had the platform, they had the voice, they had the superstardom, they had the and, and I guess because of all that, they felt that they had the responsibility. And and it's really good to see that today's superstars, today's NBA players in general, um, are taking up that mantle and they take it seriously because I, I was also a little bit confused when they started this up. I mean, I, we didn't talk about it on the pod because this is, this is a basketball pod, you know, we're, we're just here to have fun and, and revel in the NBA being back the sport that we love. But it did seem a little bit weird to me that it was happening despite everything going on and that they thought it would be enough simply to, to have names on jerseys and to write black lives matter on the court and, I mean, these are all better than not doing them, right? These are all steps that are better than not doing these steps. 
Um, and, and, you know, taking the time to talk about on the broadcast before every game and during timeouts. And these are all great steps, but it, at the end of the day, it is just words. It's either printed words, it's spoken words, it's, it's words, it's more words. And this country needs actions in order to change because people, we have a tendency as human beings to just let words roll off our backs. You know, we, we acknowledge them to people's faces. We nod and say yes. And, but it doesn't change anything, you know, uh, after listening to someone say a moving sermon, you can go home and act the exact same way, you know? Um, and so I think this was a, this was a real tangible action. You know, the bucks walking out like this boycotting this game, choosing to sacrifice possibly a game in their series here. Um, in order to, to get their point across that they're not on board with what's happening. No, we can't stand by inaction anymore. Action has to be the name of the game. And, and, um, where we stand now on Thursday night, it, it seems like it's more likely than not that the games will resume at some point. Um, after the Bucks led their protest, shortly thereafter, the game was canceled. Uh, all other games on that day's slate were canceled. Um, a bunch of other leagues, which was amazing to see, followed suit. Everyone from the WNBA to the MLB, a bunch of other teams and leagues followed suit and, and boycotted or stepped down or refused to play um, their games. Um and that was amazing to see that show of solidarity across sports, across the nation. That's what we're supposed to be about. I thought that was a very powerful moment. Um, and it, it finally, it does something, you know, it's a pal, it's a, it's a real action. It's a tangible thing that we can point to and say, they're actually giving up. You know, if the NBA decided to go forward with the games, despite them boycotting, they would in fact lose a game, something of actual value instead of just, putting names on pieces of fabric. Um, it's, it's tangible, it's real, and it's a sacrifice on their end. And I think, I think that gives this message weight. And I think it's a, it's a huge, yeah. huge step. I agree. I think doing all the, the names and everything they have been doing is what you need to do for that platform you have. But I think that they just realize that it's not, it's not making a difference. It's the awareness is out there. There shouldn't be a person that watches them any form of media that consumes any form of media that isn't shouldn't be aware of what's happening. So the awareness is out there. So now it's it, there needs to be something else. Yeah, there's there needs to be, and it's it's horrible that it takes all these horrible things to happen for for and politicians seem to still not maybe not in politicians, just the world, our country in general, which can't find a tangible way to improve things. And it's, it's, it's sad, but it's true that it falls upon this generation, especially black people of, um, of, uh, that are, have that platform to, to force the movement, to demand it, to, to instill the change of themselves. Um, I think that the NBA in particular, in comparison to other leagues is, extremely predominantly black and it feels the culture of the NBA and, and the, the style of it and everything is just so uh, rich with uh, African-American history that they are the leading league when it comes to weight in these types of discussions, because it's their league. Essentially they have, um, have the power to, you know, to invoke change from, a standpoint of you have LeBron James, Chris Paul, all these guys that are in government power within the NBA. Um, I think they're doing their duty and they're, and they're realizing that something needs to be done. They almost, you know, wanted when the motions were running high, they were thinking about 
a few people were thinking about just boycotting the rest of the season. There was, there was a Jake's referencing a meeting that happened directly after all the bike boat, uh, sorry, the boycotts on Thursday. Um, mm-hmm. No, uh, sorry, Wednesday, right? Um, yeah, on Wednesday. Wednesday night. Um, right after the, all the players in the bubble came together and had a, a very lengthy three-hour meeting, I think, at the end of it, it was three hours, um, to talk about this and steps forward and what, what they're actually going to do. And you're right, Jake. There were a lot of voices in that room by re, you know reports from from all sources, including Shamsharanya, ESPN sources, you name it. Um, there were people saying that people in that room um, – wanted to not play there was a a subset of people that wanted to discontinue the season they didn't think it was right to continue they thought that was the most powerful statement they could make um and other players wanted to keep playing and wanted to keep you know their keep themselves in the public image so that Uh they can keep this message so i see the merit to both sides i think it's a very powerful statement to sacrifice your season sacrifice if if we want to just point someone out, just because you know it's obvious, let's let's talk about LeBron, right? For example, if he if he walked away from the season, this would be a huge sacrifice for him because this, you know, it's his year. What thirty five is thirty six or thirty five? I don't remember. I think it's he thirty five. It's the seventeenth in the league. Yeah. So it's his it's his year thirty five season. He's only getting older from here, and he's slowing down. And this is a one of his only you know open window chances at a championship to you know catch Michael, which he's been very obvious and and straightforward about that goal to be the best ever and so to punt on this season is a real sacrifice you know that's a thing that he's sacrificing in his legacy because it's, he thinks this is more it's, important it's it's there's a huge parallel between what ali did sacrificing three years of his prime it is to boycott yeah. vietnam so i i think i i am of the opinion that that would be a great sacrifice on their part and it'd be powerful and it would help to to actually enact change because that would put pressure on the owners that would put pressure yeah. on the league itself to try and push for legislation that fixes this so that they you know they make their players happier they make the situation obviously better you know they're human beings i, I hope they see the the horrid nature of what's happening and they just want to fix it independent of those reasons but if not you're putting a pressure on them financially you know if they want all their stars to play they want to make money from this bubble then they better sure enough, push on the pressure points that they have access to and get things done. Yeah. Um, I think what they're, I think the emotions were running high and that seemed like the best solution to some was to boycott the season. But I think what they're having these lengthy discussions now is that the action that they want to take, it seems to be is to hold owners more accountable and, and encourage them to join this movement. I, I know Michael Jordan was on a call with some of them, uh, being an owner, uh, maybe not in terms of experience and, and performance, but maybe the most important owner in terms of legacy and, and all that and, and, and recognition. But I think that's true. That's the key here for, for the NBA, um, maybe not the rest of the movement, but for what the NBA can do, it's up to these owners and these these higher-ups that have the money and have the, the government influence and all that to to join the movement and be vocal and outspoken. It can't just be the players. It needs to be in the entire organization from top to bottom. It really can't. It, it, like you're saying, it has to, it has to be, it has to be a full scale movement from top to bottom because if there's one aspect, you know, if there's one part of an organization or the league at at large that doesn't push for this, that's the crack that this can fall through. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's true, not just in the NBA, but as our country at large, you know, we, I'll try not to get political. Um, I don't want to alienate people that 
are on a certain side of of what basically is a fight right now, which is something I hate. I hate that we're so split in this country and that we care so much about these fictitious parties that we've made up 40, 50, 60 years ago that we will fight for, you know, these crazy ideals that they stand for to the exclusion of all else, to the exclusion of the rights and safety of our fellow human beings. But that's a separate discussion, I guess. Um, Right now we need to focus on the people who are getting killed, the people whose names we need to say, um, the people who this message is for and because of and about. Um, It's, it's tough, man. I don't know why people in this country, I guess there's a lot more acknowledgement now, but it seems like people don't want to acknowledge that they're, that it's a problem. They want to acknowledge that it happened and that there may be independent incidents, but they're not. This is a systemic problem. This is something that needs to be altered at the fundamental level, you know, reform in the police, you know, disbanding certain police functions, you know, defunding the police. These are all things that need to be at the very least examined, if not outright executed right away, because we just can't have this happening. Basically, we have a police force where in some instances act like paid assassins. I mean, I don't know, man, this is just crazy. I don't understand how people can be killed in the streets, killed in their own homes. I mean, I don't know. This is ridiculous. I mean, take Breonna Taylor, for example, right? That, that was the case that I've been thinking about a lot lately. Um, she, I mean, she's an EMT. She's a training nurse. She's an amazing citizen by all accounts. And she's just sleeping in her home one night and a police force comes a knocking, maybe not even by some accounts knocking, just busting in with a what I guess is a no-knock warrant in that state. I don't know the details of what that, but apparently that means you can just bust into someone's house on any little suspicion as long as a judge signs as a piece of paper. And they just started shooting up the residents and they killed her in her sleep. A 26-year-old nurse who was just fatally shot while sleeping in her home, no criminal activity even near her premises. I don't... I mean, how can you say that's anything but paid assassinry? That's that's hired guns that are government funded. That's that can't happen. I mean, there is there are people in this country that they're we're asking them to rely on the same people that are murdering them. Imagine during the the riots and the looting and stuff that we were having in LA when when all this started. Imagine if the shopkeepers out there during the midst of all that pandemonium if they had to turn to a random person on the street and ask them to protect their shop during the middle of that, because that's basically what you're telling black people in America to do. You're asking them to ask the police, the very people who are killing them in the streets, you're asking them to protect them. And that, that can't happen. That's absurd. Imagine we're, we're not black. You know, we, we don't feel that every day. We don't feel that pressure. We don't feel that fear. Um, but thinking about that, that would terrify me if I was scared just to walk at night outside just because of the color of my skin. I mean, what kind of world is that? It's not one I want to live in and they shouldn't have to. It's, it's hard for us to even imagine. I mean, the way we grew up, that was, that's not a thought when I drive, you know, in my car. And if I were to get pulled over by a police officer, I would, I wouldn't fear for my life. I wouldn't, 
make sure my hands are visible at all times and, and try to deescalate any situation. But there's people of color that that has to go through their mind. They constantly live with that. And it's because of one difference, not because they're not American, not because they don't go to work every day like we do and all that. It's just because of the color of their skin. And I just have two more points to make. Um, I think one is both of them are things that we can do to stop detracting from the movement and making excuses for it. Um, I think one is to stop trying to find, there are people that are trying to find instances with these cases that justify what's happening. Um, Especially in this case, um, when you had people assuming that he was reaching for a weapon in the car and that it, and you know, not listening to police and all that. But the, the fact of the matter is that doesn't give you the right to to murder somebody to to take someone's life. I don't think. And then the the argument that it's not about the color of their skin. You just saw a perfect example within the same instance um, on on a, a Tuesday where that that white kid shot and killed two people and was walkingly uh, walking around heavily armed and nothing happened. You know the police didn't interact with them, um, and then. That, that can't be an excuse anymore. And then the other thing I think is that um, we can't just keep, I don't even know how to put it into words. Um, if you want to go ahead while I try to think about it, what I was trying to express. What I think you're trying to get at is, you know what? I, I'm not going to be nice anymore. Hey there, this is a uh, editor's note popping in here. Uh, in going back and editing this episode during this section coming up right here I got maybe too fired up a little too heated Um, and while I stand by what I said I am choosing to omit this small section from the podcast because I think it will not help this movement and that is my priority number one I, I don't think spreading hate and spreading anger and name-calling, as I unfortunately stoop to in this section, is what we need. So I'm, I guess, censoring myself. Um, but I thought I'd address it because I think maybe sometime in the future when all this has cooled down, maybe we would like to go back to this and maybe I can be a little more unfiltered. But I think right now, number one priority should be what we can do to help, what we can do to push forward and not detract from the message and not give anybody who is an opponent of the message any chance to disparage it. So I'm choosing to omit this part. Um, We'll pick up right after it. It's very short, um, but I lost my cool for a second there. And so I'm, while I stand by what I said after losing my cool, it's not productive. Uh, It's, yeah, it's not productive. So I'm I'm taking it out. Um, Anyways, back to the program. And I think that's what everybody's feeling there. This is why you see these acts of violence and things because people they're just fed up. They can't do it anymore. And that's my other point is that you need to stop focusing on the rioting and the looting and the fires being set and all that. That is not good. That's not, that's not productive. That's not what they want in that, in this movement, but you can't use that to then label every protester. Cause that's the same as saying that these cops are the same as every other cop. Every single cop is a murderer. That's the same thing. You're you're generalizing based on one set 
of people and you're applying that to every person in that group. That can't be what, that's another thing that people can't justify anymore. Can't, can't pay more attention to that than the actual movement because that's, what's important. The violence and the rioting and the looting is a byproduct of the issue. If you fix the issue, that's not going to happen. Yeah. The issue is that there's people in this world that care less about a black person's life mm-hmm. than they do about the respect given to the name of a white person. Mm-hmm. And that's the root of the problem. They care more about reputation of a white person, clearing their name, making them a good person in their eyes than they do about someone who just got killed, someone who just got shot in the back, needlessly, senselessly murdered. These are murders. You are justifying murders. And I don't know why. I don't, I don't get it. We're, we're not saying all, like Jake said, we're not saying all police are bad. We're saying there are bad police. That's different. There are bad police and this needs to stop because the police are supposed to be a force in charge of safety, in charge of public order. They're not the Gestapo. They shouldn't be out there killing people willy-nilly because they feel like it or based on their racist intentions. We can't be that kind of country anymore. It is unacceptable. It was unacceptable a long time ago, and yet it gone. It's gone by. You know, it's just skated by through the years because. And I don't. I don't have because it just has for no reason. And so, the actionable things that we can do as citizens, as not NBA players, but just as people who talk, is that we can say things like this. We can use our platforms to talk about it. We can educate people. You can go out and vote. Remember to vote on November 3rd. You have to make your voice heard. You have to vote for people that you think will actually take people's lives into account. Actually care about the people getting killed rather than the killers. Mm-hmm. And another important, extremely important thing is to educate yourself. Watch documentaries. Read literature about the history of how blacks are treated read about our government structure understand policies understand what you can do to affect change and the people that have the policies that will put that into action educate yourself the reason that say their names is one of the slogans one of the sayings one of the the things that we're hooking onto in this movement is because you have to say the people's names. You have to keep them in your mind. You have to realize that these are human beings. This, this, if you were born in a different circumstance, if you were born in a different time, in a different body, that could have been you. You could have been the person killed without good reason just because you were black. You can't let that happen. We have to say their names. George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Tony McDade. We have to say their names. This can't keep going on. You have to remember these people because they're people. They're murdering people and it can't keep happening. So I'm, I'm sorry we got a little sidetracked. I get fired up when we start talking about this because I just don't see why people can't understand this. It seems like such a simple concept and maybe it's because we weren't raised in a, you know, I don't know. We weren't raised in an area that was tolerant of that, was tolerant of being bigoted. And I I don't know. Maybe it's just how you're raised and you can't change that. And that sucks. But But um, what we can change is 
the policies that allow this to happen. So we need to ride this movement. We need to keep the fire going, pay attention, read about things, and make sure that this is the last time that something like this needs to happen. This is the last time that this round of protests needs to erupt because this is the time that's going to make actual change. It is. Um, we got, we got away from basketball, which I guess we are as a podcast nominally focused on. So, um, to recap how this pertains to the NBA, uh, there was a time when they, they thought they might boycott in order to try and push for this message to try and push for change. And now, uh, as of Thursday night, it looks like most likely scenario is that games will resume in some fashion. They are meeting around the clock, I guess, um, players, ownership, uh, NBA representatives meeting around the clock to find a way to do both, to both play the game that they love and that people love watching while also pushing for the far more important message that there is racial inequality. There is racism deep rooted in our police force and in our country at large. And we need to input legislation. We need to change the system. Now, this cannot go on any longer. We cannot abide by the killings of innocence any longer. Um, so they're, they're meeting. Maybe they'll come to some conclusion. It, it looks like in, they'll try and find a way to keep playing. So I guess we'll, we'll keep posted on that. Um, and if games resume, you better believe we'll be back here to cover them. Um, but we thought we'd take this moment to, to talk about this because it is important that everybody it doesn't matter who you are you need to talk about this sometimes just talking about it can help you organize your thoughts and and realize where you're being short-sighted yourself i mean that's helped me it's helped me a lot um and so i encourage everyone to talk to educate yourselves and uh and try and donate to an organization that if you have you know if you have the capital you know don't go beyond your means but if you can, to donate to a cause or organization that is pushing for this, pushing this message. So do your research. There's a lot of good causes out there. and There's a lot that, that aren't so much. Um, do your research. Um, and I, yeah, that's all I have to say, Jake. Me too. Um, yeah, I think we just need to, to keep it in our minds every day and not let this momentum die. And that's, that's hopefully what we're going to do. Yeah. So pray for those who have lost their lives, pray for their families and keep saying their names, keep their names in your mind, in your heart, because the only way that people hang on to momentum, the only way that movements actually affect change is if people try, is if people want to affect change and not just nominally say things you know, to fit in with everybody around them and then let it, you know, drift away with the wind. We can't let that happen this time. This is, this is too much momentum. This is too much steam that we've built up. We have to strike while the iron is hot. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm sorry if at times I got heated, but, uh, so be it. Um, anyways, I guess we'll, we'll take, take off for now and we'll be back on what's today thursday so we'll be back on sunday morning maybe with basketball maybe not we'll see regardless we'll we'll be here we'll be podcasting and uh 
if basketball stops, we'll we'll be here to talk talk about other stuff. We'll prov- we'll try to provide some entertainment um, in in dark times. Um, back. Anything else, Jake? No. Well said, and we'll be back on Sunday. Okay, sounds good. Till then, uh, peace. <laughs>